It's during my vacation time that I get to spend extra devotional time, extended time just to reflect on God's Word. And what I've been doing is I'm on part two of Pastor Summer Reflections. I've taken John chapter 7, but in particular 37, 38, and 39. And those are the three verses for two weeks. I, I didn't do anything else, but I kept reading, rereading, meditating on those verses. And when you, could you stand for the reading of God's Word this morning? And I'll just give a little review to catch up those who weren't here last week. But on that last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and proclaimed and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me As the scripture has said, streams, rivers, springs of living water will flow from within his innermost being. By this, he meant the spirit, whom those who have believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. You may be seated. Last week we talked about the why, the what, the when, and the who. The what, the why, the when, and the who. Why? Why this verse? What attracted me to this verse? Because in this verse... There's a promise to counteract the workings of the evil one in this world and to give us strength in our weakness. That's the why. The what? What is the promise that is found? The promise is that streams, or as I said last week, rivers or springs of living water will flow from within, from in his innermost being, will flow out. By this, he meant the Spirit. When? Well, Jesus uttered these words on the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles. We talked about that. But yet, the Spirit hadn't been given up to that time because he had not yet been glorified. And we took a look at John chapter 20, when Jesus had been risen, the disciples were in a room behind locked doors for fear of the Jews, and Jesus walked into that room. He walked right through the walls in his glorified body, and he said, be not afraid, and he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And we know in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, he immersed people He poured out his spirit. And people were bewildered. They were confused. And they they go, what does this mean? And Peter spoke. He stood and, and addressed the crowd. That this is what the prophet Joel said would take place in the last days. God would pour out his spirit on everyone. So 
So the when is the now. The when is now. Today. And the who? Anyone. Now, yes. It's true that we see in God's word that there are certain people within the body of Christ that God calls to certain offices. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it was he, who's he? The one who descended and ascended. It was Christ who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be teach pastors, and, and some to be teachers. We know that there are certain offices within the body of Christ that God has called certain ones to fulfill. But in our text, this promise is for anyone, not just prophets, not just evangelists, not just pastors, not just teachers, not just apostles. They are offices, but this outpouring of God's Spirit, this anointing, this baptism, this immersion in God's Spirit, Scripture says, is for everyone, anyone. But the question now that we want to take a look at is the how. How? Four conditions we see. If anyone's thirsty, what is he to do? He's to come. And he's to drink. And he's to believe. Now, it was my intentions to look at all four conditions this morning, which sets the Spirit in action. But I have learned less is more. So you get a break. I knew you guys were going to be here getting ready to go on vacation. You didn't want to be here all day. Vacation starting. So we're going to take a look at two this week, and we're going to finish this series up next week with the other two. How? Well, this outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. We have these preconceived ideas that down through the years we have been, we have observed and people have given their opinions. And the how we have these misconceived ideas. Let me just, there's these preconceived ideas that in order to receive this promise of God's anointing, well, you got to be one who just fasts and fasts and fasts. Or you have to be a great intercessor. Or, oh, well, you have to be worthy. But can I be honest? Are, are any of us worthy for God's gifts? And then there's got to be this great period that you're without sin. And of course, well, anybody to receive this anointing, this, this outpouring, this overflowing God's spirit, well, they've got to be a mature believer. And, and they've got to be in service for the Lord. And, and of course, they have to have a leadership position within the church. And, and they have to be people who are constantly praying always. Preconceived ideas that we have, that we have to fulfill in order for this outflowing 
But let me remind you, Jesus gave us only four. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Let him drink and let him believe. Let's take a look at this first one. If anyone is thirsty. Now, this is what I do on vacation. I, I get, I'm out to the beach. I'm just looking out over the water early in the morning. And the best way to learn is to ask questions. And I sit there and I ask myself this question. What does it mean to thirst? What does it mean to thirst? Thirst is a desire. As humans, we have been created with a faculty to desire. That we see, we behold, we hear of something. And out of that, there is this desire that can turn into this longing. And this longing can turn into this thirst where we hear about this thing that we don't have and we just have to have it. We desire it. We long for it. Now let me remind you that desires can be good and bad. We can desire something so much in the flesh that the Bible calls it lust, sin. So what is this thirst? What is this desire? And as I sat there, this thought came to me. In America, the church today, most are so comfortable, most are so content, most are so satisfied with your Christian walk that we don't even know about thirst in the spiritual manner. We know about thirst in the physical because it's been a hot summer and we get thirsty. But spiritually, are we really thirsty? Or are we so content, comfortable, that we're just fine with our Christian walk the way it is? And father put his son to bed one night, tucked him in. Five minutes later, Dad, what? I'm thirsty. Can you get me a drink of water? <laughs> Oberio, yeah, yeah. You're, you're shaking your head like, uh-huh, I know where this is going. No, you had your chance before you went to bed. Five minutes later, Dad, what? I'm thirsty. Can you get me a drink of water? I told you already, no. And if you ask again, I'm going to have to give you a spanking. Five minutes later, Dad, what? When you come in and give me a spanking, can you bring me a glass of water? We thirst. Thirst is something that is perpetual. You thirst, and then you thirst again. And all of a sudden, as I started to think about thirst, it seems like in America, for spiritual things, we thirst, we receive 
but it's not an ongoing perpetual thirst. The Bible says we're to thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Are you thirsting for righteousness? As the deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul pants for you. I know that most of you here know the Lord, but are you panting for the Lord? Is there a thirst for the Lord? Psalms 19.8 tells us that we're to desire, we're to thirst after wisdom and understanding. Is that something? Is that a perpetual thirst in your life? Psalms 119, which is all about the Word of God, tells us that we're to desire the Word of God. Is your soul thirsty for God's Word every day? Romans 7.18 tells us that we're to thirst for what is good. Hebrews 13, 18 tells us that we are to thirst for a holy life. But most of us are so complacent, so content, so comfortable with our Christian walk that we've lost the concept of thirst. And in our scripture verse this morning, what is it telling us that we're to thirst for? We are to thirst for streams of living water. We are to thirst for rivers or streams or or springs of living water that will flow from within our innermost being out of us. And by this, he meant the spirit. That's what we're to be thirsty for. But then in my... Meditating upon this verse, why did he use the analogy of water? Why didn't he just say that the Spirit will flow? If you thirst, the Spirit will just flow from when your innermost being. Why, why did he use the analogy? Why, did he, why didn't he just say the Spirit? And then it dawned on me. Two reasons. Number one, you can't live without water. You can't live without water. When you're thirsty, you got to drink. When your body deplenishes the fluid inside, you got to replace it. And all of a sudden, it, I, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, just like water is, the bo- is necessary for our bodies to live, so spirit is necessary for our spiritual being to exist. We need his spirit just like our bodies need water. And what else does water do? Well, I'll tell you what. When the sand is so hot you can't even walk on it because it burns your feet. And even under an umbrella you're sweating. Man, you jump into that 71 degree ocean and it's refreshing. Water refreshes. Now, here's what I thought about. The promise is if we're thirsty, there'll be this flowing of God's spirit from our innermost being flowing out of us that he likens it to water. Water refreshes. What are we refreshing? We are to be a refreshment to one another. But here's what happens. We're so self-centered, so comfortable, so complacent, 
so comfortable, honestly, all we really do anymore is care about ourselves, and we don't care about everybody else that needs refreshing. So we don't thirst. But if there was this thirst for the Spirit to flow, that we could refresh, refresh others. Do you know how many people are in need? How many people are lost? How many people need Jesus? What did Jesus say in Acts 1.8? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. What are you witnessing about? You're witnessing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his resurrected life and the power that he can give to you who are lost. It's all about Jesus. This thirsting It's not so much for yourself. This thirsting is to refresh and to win others for him. Two weeks after my vacation, came back to the office and I was still just meditating on these verses. And two verses, two passages of scripture from Isaiah came to my attention. Let me share one of them with you now. The poor, the needy, they search for water, but there is none. There are so many people in this world today seeking for an answer, but there is none other than Jesus. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but the Lord will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. And this is what was brought to my attention. He wants to make all of us, he wants to make me, he wants to make you like a river that flows in a barren heights. He wants to make you springs that are like in a dry valley. He wants to make you a pool that, be, that, a pool that appears in a desert. He wants to make you a, a spring that parches out of dry ground. We, we have a lot of dry ground right now, don't we? That's what he wants to do through you to refresh others. That's what we're thirsting for. We're not just thirsting for this experience, but we're thirsting this experience so that we can refresh others. Then he says, come to me. Can I be honest? I sat there and I said, come to you. As I look out over the vast ocean, up at the blue sky. You, you, you want me to come to you. And I felt like picking up my cell phone, calling NASA and see if I could climb aboard the next aircraft, spacecraft to, 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 to sh- launch up so I could be in heaven with, with, with him. Come, what, what do you mean come to me? What do you mean, come to me? And I just sat there. Come to me. And this is what I wrote down. We must be aware of his presence 
and maintain that awareness. That's what is meant, I believe, when Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. I want you daily to be in my presence. I want you to have an awareness of of my presence in you at all times. I want you to maintain that awareness. When I say, come to me, there should be an awareness of my presence in you 24-7. And I'm sitting there, wow, how? And then I just started to think, Throughout the day, sometimes I will say to myself, sometimes I will say it out loud as I go through my normal responsibilities, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I do, uh, Pastor Paul and I swim together, and on Tuesdays, we know when, when we do a 400 and I beat him, thank you, Jesus. The 50, not so-so. When he beats me in the 50, I'm like, come on, Jesus. <laughs> but a way to develop an awareness of presence throughout your day, through certain things that take place, just thank you, Jesus. Memorize scripture verses that talks about his everlasting presence in your life. Joshua 1.9. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous? Don't be frightful. Don't be dismayed. For I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Zephaniah. Yes, that's a book. Zephaniah 3.17. We used to sing this song. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee. The Lord your God is in your midst. Matthew 28, 20. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. Put to memory scripture verses that throughout the day you can recall that his presence is with you all the time. Christian radio, riding around, getting an awareness of his presence. Morning devotions. Devotions, that's why devotions are so important. And as a kid, I never understood why at every meal we had to thank God for our food. You know, I just told mom, you know, when you go grocery shopping, let's pray for it all at once and then we don't have to do it anymore. But morning, noon, evening, when we sit down to partake, We thank him for his provision. It's a reminder of his presence that is with us. How else on a daily basis 
can we remind ourselves of God's presence? By being aware of the small, still voice of the Holy Spirit within us. Those times when you get that check, don't do it. Or that time when you say, you need to, listening to a small, still voice. Come. Now, come to me. Now, this is what I thought was so interesting. We come to him. Why? Why do we come to him? Why are to remain always in his presence? Because he is the source of everything we need. He's the resource of everything we need. John puts it this way. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No man can bear fruit by himself. You must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He is the source. He is the resource of everything we need in life. Therefore, we need to have a constant reminder of his presence in us. Come to me. Now, in this given passage of Scripture, we come to him with the promise of what? An overflowing of God's Spirit. If we desire an overflowing of God's Spirit, why don't we just go to the Spirit? Because Jesus is the source of everything. And Jesus says, come to me because it's always about Jesus. I think what happens so many times when we seek this fullness of God's spirit, we're always seeking the spirit. No, we seek Jesus. And Jesus is the resource that gives the spirit to overflow within us. The Holy Spirit has been given to us in order that the Lord Jesus be glorified in us and through us. Who is it that produces Christ-like character? It's the Holy Spirit. Who produces this refreshment? It's the Holy Spirit. But the refreshment is all about Jesus. He is the source. He is the resource. He is our all and all. It's all about Jesus. That's why he says, come to me. You're thirsty, you desire to refresh others, you desire to be a blessing to others, you desire to progress in your Christian life, you desire to be more like Christ, come to me. Now, there's one more passage. I said two passages from uh, the book of Isaiah. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. And I... Have this in the Amplified version, translation. Come to me. The Amplified says, in returning to me, in resting in me, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trusting confidence will be your strength. In returning to me, that is my goal every morning. My goal every morning is returning to him. And you're saying, well, wait, now you send me. Come on. Your devotions in the morning so great. And I'm telling you, the rest of the day, you can get so off track, so off focused. 
that in the morning, Lord, my one goal is you. Returning to you. Being in you. Remaining in you. Our devotional time in the morning can become routine and ritual. Do you know that? We can get up in the morning, open our Bibles, say our little prayer, read our little verses, do our little devotional book, and be off on our way, and there's been no intimacy with the Lord. In returning to me, he's talking about an intimacy. An intimacy with him. My goal in the morning is not just to get through, not to just check it off, but to have intimate communion with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Rest in me. Well, that's easy. You just close your eyes and just sleep for a couple minutes during your devotion period. No. And I sat there and I go, okay, as I re- return to you in intimacy, that's my goal. Now you tell me that I'm to rest. How do you rest? This is how I rest. I rest in the faithfulness of God. Past. I see times in my past where he has been so faithful in fulfilling those promises, so faithful in providing. I think of the present of how God is faithful in meeting all of our needs and how faithful he is. And I project to the future that I have nothing to worry about because he's been faithful in the past, he's faithful now, and he'll be faithful in the future, whatever it holds. That's how you rest. How do I rest? I rest in the promise of God's word that if I fulfill these four conditions, I don't have to stress. I don't have to worry. I don't have to get myself all, I don't have to get my knickers in a twist. All I have to do is I thirst, I come, I drink, and I believe. I rest in the fulfillment of the conditions to that promise. And then I rest knowing that the spirit that dwells within my innermost being will flow through me to refresh others. And in this intimacy and in this resting, it says, you shall be saved. Now, the, the, the salvation there, the, the word is yasha. And it's not just salvation of our souls. It's implying a larger sense. Wilson's Old Testament word study says it implies deliverance, help, and victory. Come on. Don't we need to be delivered? Don't we need help? Don't we need victory through this life? It means the removal of evil and ministry, uh, and misery, ministry, (laughs) the removal of ministry. The removal of evil and misery and the restoration of good and former happiness. The restoration of good and former happiness 
in intimacy and resting in the faithfulness of God. We are delivered. We are helped. We are restored in quietness. Oh. Now, what usually happens when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this anointing, this overflow, we usually associate it with loud bursts of noise and shaking and jumping and all this hype. Well, let me just say, none of that is wrong. We all respond differently to the Holy Spirit because we all are emotionally different people. But maybe you're not one of those. That's okay because in quietness, there has been a stillness. There has been a quietness when I have experienced the anointing of God's presence in my life. So quietness is okay. Now, just backtrack. In intimacy, reflecting upon the faithfulness of God, in quietness there is this trusting confidence come on this trusting confidence this no matter where you may be in your walk of life no matter what season no matter what may be troubling disturbing you in this intimacy and resting there's this quietness that evolves into this trusting confidence, this faith that everything is going to be okay and that he can restore back to your former happiness. And that confidence becomes your strength to get through anything that may come your way. There may be some here today, first and foremost, you just need to come to the Lord. You've never given your life. You've never made your peace. You never ask God to forgive you of your sins. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to come and give your heart to Jesus Christ. Secondly, there may be some of you who need to return to Him. Life has become routine. Life has become ritual. Life has just become so complacent, so comfortable, so content that you don't thirst and you need to return to Him in intimacy in your walk. There may be those, as I said, you're, you're so complacent, so comfortable that it's been a long... Man... You may have thirsted this week to satisfy your physical body, but when was the last time you thirst spiritually? Right up front, no formal dismissal this morning. We're just going to stand, and when God's done with you, you leave. But I just sense there are people who need to come to Him. There are people who need to return to Him.
And there are people who need to come to this altar who need to ask God, God, create a thirst in me once again. Would you stand? Would you come? If anyone is thirsty, you're in need of salvation. You're in need of returning to Him. You're in need of thirst. Tired of being comfortable, complacent, and content. Come to me. Thank you, Jesus. As we start singing, maybe you just want to kneel at your place. Maybe you want to come to this altar. But can we just spend 10 minutes in the presence of God?
Thank you, Lord. Come flow. 